What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Just like that, the second hour is here on the Monday edition of Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Sixth and Peabody, our broadcast location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Our thanks to Bobby Carpenter and Ross Tucker for joining us earlier. And we've got plenty to discuss with Chris Ballas, who uh, is with On3 and covers all things Michigan Wolverines. He'll join us coming up in an hour. And uh, had the story for On3 regarding the three-game self-imposed suspension from the University of Michigan and their athletics program for Jim Harbaugh for the first three games of this upcoming season. And this stems after last week where we found out the NCAA is taking a step back to reevaluate how they're going to handle Harbaugh and Michigan next year because they weren't going to agree to the negotiated and reported four-game suspension to begin this season for violating policy during the COVID-19 restrictions and, and not admitting it, instead saying that coaches bought a hamburger for a recruit. Yeah, this has become a contentious investigation between the NCAA and Michigan. Juxtapose that with what happened at Tennessee, where Tennessee just turned total state's witness immediately, fired everyone involved, knew they had a lot of bad stuff on them that they could easily prove by going through text messages and everything else. And they embarked on a long process with the NCAA that ultimately produced the biggest fine in the history of the NCAA to Tennessee. It was not nothing that they got. They got a lot of scholarships reduced also. But Tennessee self-imposed scholarship reductions, and they did other things to mitigate what? A postseason ban, which did not happen. They paid a lot of money. They lost some scholarships. They fired all their coaches, but they did not receive a postseason ban. And, Chad, imagine what that would have meant going into this year for that roster in Knoxville. You know, they're thinking bigger than just let's play on New Year's Day uh, internally in the locker room. So you've had the no postseason ban. How do you, you know, how do you react to that internally now because of the way you handled the way you cooperated? You're not faced with that. No, and, and that's – but getting back to Michigan, th- that is what – Michigan's gone about this a little bit the opposite way. Right. And it's, uh, the big, biggest part of it is because Jim Harbaugh is not going to play ball with the NCAA. He's not answering their questions completely. He's, him and the Michigan Athletic Department has spread this whole thing about it was a question about a cheeseburger and who paid for it with a recruit that was in town. And then the NCAA heard that so many times from so many different outlets. They had to fight back in a statement and say – This is not about a hamburger. This is about multiple violations, a lot of them involving COVID-19 restrictions that were violated by Michigan that they can clearly prove that they're saying this. Also, Michigan in doing this, you know what they're saying? Yeah, they can prove it. We've got the info on what Jim Harbaugh was doing with practices and recruiting visits and everything. They can prove this part of it. But it's up to a six-game suspension for not helping with an internal investigation from the NCAA. That's what they were negotiating with Harbaugh. The coaches that were violating the policies either received a show cause, and they're no longer with uh, Michigan. They're now the defensive coordinator for Harbaugh's brother, John, in Baltimore. Yeah. Or there's another offensive coach that's involved – Harbaugh would just simply be uh, 
restricting access or not being forthcoming with details that he may or may not have been a part of. But that's more or less where the suspension would be stemming from, not actually violating uh, specific policy on his end. So, you know, is he cooperating? Is he not? All, he was saying, well, I don't recall. That was the quote. Yeah, I don't recall. Regardless, uh, he, they tried to say four-game suspension. The NCAA said that's not enough based on all this. So, Michigan's initial response was, and at least this was what was reported. I don't think they officially said this in a statement. Well, he's not going to serve any suspension this year. So, they're just going to play it out and see what the NCAA does. I think that would have been a mistake. What Michigan is doing now is the right thing to do. Yeah. Now, I would go ahead and go with the four-game suspension you proposed in order because there's no t- really tough games in that four-game stretch. Go ahead and go with the four-game, and then the hope is you get time served a year from now. So then when the NCAA comes back and says, what we were thinking was more appropriate was half a season, six games, so now you sit out the first two games of this season. And if it's a six-game suspension, their second game of next year is against Texas. So that would be pretty brutal for Michigan. This in the statement from Michigan, from A.D. Ward Manual, this just dropping, says that the matter is still ongoing, but the three-game suspension is, quote, our way of addressing mistakes that our department has agreed to in an attempt to further that process. Again, Michigan is not saying that we're saints here. This is now Michigan owning up and saying, yeah, it's more than a hamburger that Jim Harbaugh said, you know, that he, whether or not he paid for or not. He's saying there are mistakes made that we've owned up to, and this is in an attempt to further that process. I think this is smart business from Michigan. They're not going to miss Jim Harbaugh that much in these, these three games. They should roll in all three of them. And the hope is Jim Harbaugh is your coach again next year after Michigan has a great season, and he comes back and maybe serves another game or two when this is all said and done. To me, that's best-case scenario at this point. Hutton, I think if they would have continued to be this defiant – and Harbaugh would continue to be this defiant, which, by the way, he may still be, and they said no suspension in 2023, I think that would have led to bigger problems from the NCAA. And I'm not saying that's right. I think the NCAA is petty. I think the NCAA is very insecure about their standing, and they've always been that way. So when they get the chance to drop the hammer on someone that's uncooperative, they tend to always do so. So even if Jim Harbaugh doesn't want this, and he is being a child about it, this is Michigan saying, we're going to go ahead and fall on the sword for three games in hopes that it leads to almost nothing a year from now. Well, and, and what it is, too, it's, it's really not that heavy-handed, even from what they were negotiating. The level one violation was just by not cooperating with an NCAA investigation. It wasn't that he directly violated uh, a, a major rule. Men, people on his staff did. Uh, but the potential level one violation for failing to cooperate with NCAA enforcement staff. Additionally, the program faces four level two violations, which are less significant in scope. And then if you consider what the four-game suspension would have been, it's only on game day. He still coaches during practice. He's still allowed to contact coaches, players, the university. He's still in his office every day. He's just not coaching on the sideline on game day. That's all that would have been. And uh, from Michigan's stance, Chad, I think this is also about just making sure you're in the right spot with the NCAA from the perception of the university and athletic department compared to whenever Harbaugh bolts for the NFL a year from now, which he's flirted with the last two years. I, I don't think there's any way to fully win if you're Michigan. And here's why. Jim Harbaugh is going to take this as a slight. There's no doubt about it. He thinks that his university is throwing him under the bus right now. 
That's the way he's going to view this. Watch Jim Harbaugh and how he operates. Watch how he speaks to the media. Watch how he talks about football. Watch how he talks about life. Watch how he talks to his team. He's not going to take this sitting down. To him, this is a huge level of disrespect from his own university. I think it's a smart play because now you're going to mitigate further damage a year from now. Jim Harbaugh is not going to see it that way. He's going to see this as his university rolling him under the bus, and he doesn't think he's been wrong in anything that he's done or what's gone on. I, again, but if you don't do it, Hutton, the problem is, okay, well, now a year from now when they talk about a season-long suspension because we did nothing as a university, he's just going to bolt for the NFL, and well, we're going to lose our coach altogether. And what we, why we haven't heard from Harbaugh is his attorney is saying he can't do that based on the internal operating procedures of the NCAA. Uh, because that that could be more penalties for Michigan, uh, because the attorney Tom Mars says, "quote uh, Michigan, the involved coaches and their lawyers are prohibited from uttering a word about the ongoing case. Yet the NCAA can issue a public statement putting its spin on the case." That's what he's tweeted about too. Uh, and Harbaugh did say at Big Ten Media Days, "Hey, now's not the time. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Now's not the time to lay it all out there." But I wish I could. So you're right. He he has definitely something to say. We'll have uh, Chris Ballas on from the Wolverine with on3.com coming up in a little under an hour. We'll ask him directly about Chad's theory with all this, which it could absolutely be spot on behind the scenes. Well, one thing about... And we know the, President Santa Ono has Harbaugh's back. Those, those others within the department, who knows? Well, one thing about the, um, you know, the NCAA can comment in their statement about you know, what it's about, but they, they can't. I, I understand that. I think also the NCAA is saying, you've been putting this out there. And when you go at Big Ten Media Days, and I really want to talk about it, but I can't, they're not allowing me to, the NCAA takes everything as disrespect to it. Basically, you've got two sides right now that are being very defiant about being right. And there's only one group that's right here, and we don't know who that is, but neither side's really backing down. Michigan's the one that's kind of playing mediator between Harbaugh and the NCAA at this point saying, all right, we'll do this, but not this. Uh, yeah, unless, and again, it's just a theory, unless there have been talks behind the scenes because the NCAA did accept one-game suspensions for the other coaches on the roster other than you know those who have departed for the NFL over the offseason. So if you've had other chats about that and you say, okay, self-impose, then self-impose. But again, three instead of four, a lot to discuss uh, coming up uh, with, uh, with Chris Ballas. Chad, uh, maybe Harbaugh's taking over uh, for an NFL uh, organization a, a year from now. Plenty of storylines out there this time of year in buying and selling the hype. And I, I said, you know, and, and we were stating our case for uh, coaches in college and where they may end up. And I, I mentioned, you know, Ryan Day makes a ton of sense to me in Chicago. Uh, former Ohio State quarterback, Justin Fields is there. And I'm buying the hype on Justin Fields and all the discussion about him this offseason. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a coaching change because Fields is going to play so well. The, the Bears are all in. They should be. Uh, he's speaking like a leader. He's very confident. Now is the time for, for Fields to have that Jalen Hurts jump. Hurts uh, last year averaged seven uh, – last year in the last two years, he's averaged 770 yards rushing. Um, he has averaged nearly 12 touchdowns combined over the last two years. And – now we have Fields, who has rushed for nearly 1,500 yards a year ago, and they're layering a passing game onto that attack, finally, with DJ Moore, 
They have a number of guys in the tight end room, uh, including adding uh, Robert Tanyan. Uh, Khalil Herbert came onto the scene last year. Deontay Foreman is now in Chicago in the backfield. Now is the time with all of the free agency uh, acquisitions, the money they've spent, the trades down from one, showing that they're all in with their guy and getting DJ Moore in the process of that swap. Now's the time to take a big leap. And based on all the reporting, he looks a ton better in that area, in the passing game. If he puts things together, Chad, is he taking Chicago to the Super Bowl like Hurts? No, I'm not saying that jump. But should it be playoff worthy in contention the way we've seen the Falcons, for instance, in the NFC over the last couple of years, having no business being around that seventh seed? Yes, that's where Chicago should be, especially with Aaron Rodgers in the AFC. If anyone deserves a good franchise quarterback, it is the Chicago Bears. They have not had good luck in that department over the years. So I'm rooting for Justin Fields. I hope it works out. I'm a little bit more skeptical than you uh, until we get into the regular season. But this preseason, there has been a sizable jump up. I think he's extremely talented. I'm I'm very eager to watch him. Uh, Two receivers also I'm buying in on. Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, he is tearing it up in the preseason. The stats jump off the page. Now, he's doing it against primarily backups. He's the third option, though, in Seattle. He's playing alongside DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. His approach to the game reminds me a lot of A.J. Brown. No nonsense, chip on his shoulder at all times. He is going to be a problem. Same for George Pickens. I could describe him the same way. And with Pickens, I'm buying into the Steelers' offense. Uh, they've got Matt Canada, who I think is going to throw the football more than what we've seen in Pittsburgh in recent years. Um, he was the quarterback coach for Pickett last year. And this is a quiet storyline. Without Pickett improving, George Pickens won't. And I think it's both. I think Pickens is the perfect fit at receiver for this, for this offense. He's confident. He's determined to make you pay. He's determined to break you down. And some of the highlights that we've seen, plus with Pickett now improving over-the-middle throws to Pat Fryermuth in joint practices. That wasn't there last year. That should allow this offense to do more outside the red zone. Two total touchdowns a year ago outside of the red zone. They've had four with the starting offense this preseason. It's time to start buying in on the hype of Pittsburgh's offense with Pickett and specifically George Pickens, who, Chad, I hope you don't draft in fantasy. And I'm selling the hype on Anthony Richardson. I don't know why a guy that's started 13 games in college is all of a sudden uh, able to not play in preseason game number two after joint practices all week. Uh, I'm selling Najee Harris within the Steelers offense. That's because Jacob Warren uh, is legit uh, with a uh, Jalen Warren, excuse me. I'm thinking about a former ball. They, they say they're using Warren more in the preseason because they're preserving Najee Harris. No, 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 no. Uh, one carry, 60-yard touchdown for Warren this past weekend. And here's the other thing. Harris isn't complimenting Warren. He was asked, if, what, what do you think about when you think of Jalen Warren? He said um, he's, uh, he's, a, he's productive, and then he went on to say he's efficient and then started talking about the blocking. Uh, that's, that Somebody means, knows they might be in trouble. Yeah. yeah some, uh, to me, it's a Tony Pollard-Ezekiel Elliott balance. And eventually, we know who the better back is. And Chad, a storyline of last week that continued this weekend, the Panthers' offensive line sucks. Uh, Two young offensive tackles, and they're allowing pressure. They're committing penalties. 
And Bryce Young took more big hits this past Friday night on the field as the number one overall pick. He's going to be uh, beaten up in 2023. He's going to be on the move a lot. And they, they added Adam Thielen. They have DJ Chark. But with Bryce Young running for his life, and his, with his stature, you're going to have to get him out of the pocket anyway. But he hasn't had time to even get out of the pocket based on what this offensive line looks like. Storyline on the O-line in, in the Jets with the Jets has been dominating headlines. This one's bigger based on the investment that they've made elsewhere. And they've got top picks at the tackle spots that don't look like first-rounders currently. No, and this is the one that could be detrimental to their star rookie quarterback's health. When you look at offensive line situations, this, this is top of the list. Chad, coming up, Greg Sankey says at the top of the list for commissioner meetings next week, the future of the college football playoff format. That's next. Sixth and Piedmont Air location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Fun and with or with you for Hot Mike across the Outkick Network. Chad, uh, Greg Sankey saying to uh, ESPN in an interview that more change is needed now to the college football playoff and the structure based on what we've seen this offseason with realignment. Currently, there's a six and six model where you have six automatic qualifiers and six at large. What Sankey was pushing for, and certainly what Kevin Warren was pushing for with the Big Ten, now Tony Petiti, just make them all at large. Sankey was in favor of keeping the four-game model, then push the eight-game model, where you have the eight-team, excuse me, not eight-game, but eight-team model, where everyone would be at large. No automatic qualifiers. No conference champions are guaranteed a spot in the playoff. They went to 12, and they agreed on the 6-6 six and six because when all this was being negotiated, the discussion of trust. Who do you trust? Do you trust Sankey? Do you trust ESPN? Do you trust the networks that are negotiating with the Big Ten? All of this was coming around, and you needed all the votes from the autonomous five that carried a lot of weight if you are going to change the, the structure. Well, now he's saying, right now, uh, you put in bold letters that things are going to change, period. And we're all going to have to be prepared to deal with that change. And considered, uh, it goes, the circumstances have changed. We need to reconsider the format. I'm not convinced that we need to reconsider the number of teams. I've been clear on that. I'll be, and I would have been okay with an 18 playoff with no conference champion access. That wasn't, if you will, politically tenable with the group. So they changed the model to six and six. And then he goes on to say, that based on the structure, they're going to have to discuss the automatic bids to what the Pac-12 is trying to keep together with the four teams they have remaining. Chad, I think we're going to see further expansion of the playoff, not less, and we'll have more of a, an agree to disagree. Here are the circumstances, so if you still want to keep your six, we're expanding to 16 instead of 12. Because the SEC and the Big Ten know that they're going to dominate in those pockets of the top teams that would be qualifying or be eligible to get in as the top teams in the country. I disagree with Greg Sankey here. I still think it's best to have some sort of 
automatic qualification into the playoff and then have at-large and not just leave it up to everyone at-large. Of course, things need to change because as of right now, starting in 2024, the Pac-12 doesn't exist. It's not a true conference. It's not a true league. It's four teams that are surviving right now, and they're not even operating. I don't even – is George Klavikov still there? I don't even know what it is. He's the commissioner, but they've got uh, – someone else, Oliver Luck, Oliver that's Luck. negotiating for them. And it's it's not a conference. So, yes, you need to change that facet of it. You can't have them as one of the six automatic qualifiers. He's right about that. There is not just a, a need to change. It's a necessity. They don't have a true conference, so they can't be a part of it as an automatic qualifier. But what he's advocating for is what he's always thought and what Tony Petiti with the Big Ten things, this is not a Big Five. This is not a Power Five. It's a Power Two. Let's get six and six. The SEC and the Big Ten can just split this thing up. We're the best two conferences. Let's do it that way. The Big 12, okay, yeah, they added some teams, but who cares? What they want is everyone nationally to decide who the 12 best teams are, and those go play in, in the tournament. I understand that because that's the chance for you to get the most teams. Same would be said for the Big Ten. But – if you want to be more like the NFL, the NFL does have automatic qualification, like winning your division to get into the tournament. There needs to be some form of automatic qualification into the tournament. I'm an SEC fan. I like watching the SEC. It is the best conference. Their national championships show that it's the best conference. I'm also not for this, well, let's get rid of automatic qualification altogether and let's just let people pick the 12 best teams out there. So Greg Sankey's right. There is a necessity now to change the format because the Pac-12 is no more. But I don't want to go all in on just pick the 12 teams that you want in. And I do like the fact that there was, with this last format, some level of win your league and you get in. Because there are still other leagues. The ACC sucks this year. I think when you look at the depth of it, it's not good. The very top is good Mm -hmm. with Clemson and Florida State. But for the most part, that's a bad conference. The Big 12 is okay. And we saw but, what TCU did. But it's the SEC and the Big Ten. No doubt. And, There's and, no doubting the power and, and where it lies. And you, you, you had Mark Keenum, who's the president of Mississippi State. He was the chair of this committee when they discussed expanding the college football playoff. And they, he put out there uh, for vote 12 at large when they expanded. That was immediately shot down. So whenever they have the commissioner meetings coming up, Chad, next week, and then again in September in Chicago, uh, the one next week... I believe, is in Texas. Um, That's going to come up. Whatever Sankey is saying is going to be shot down, and there will be a compromise. And do you reduce the number of at-large? You do that. Or or, or automatic, you do that. Or you increase the number of at-large as the conferences that are in favor of that increase in size. USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington, going to the Big Ten the same year that we're expanding the college football playoff. Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC the same year we're expanding the college football playoff. That's why I think the playoff will expand if there's not an agreement or enough votes to push forward the the line of thinking that Sankey's already putting out there uh, with, hey, I was in favor of eight. Now I'm in favor of 12. Uh, we agreed to the six and six format. That's not good enough because the best conferences are getting better. We're not going to have the best teams in. However you want to phrase it, I think there will be another compromise to push it further than where we are at 12 
is that good, bad, whatever? I, that's for another argument. But right now, the Power Five, the Autonomous Five, each get $80 million as a conference from the college football playoff. And this is what everyone's... The Pac-4 next year, not this season, next year, go. doesn't have an argument for $80 million for being a part of the Autonomous no, Five. Not but at that's all. in the bylaw of the NCAA. No, the Pac-12 this year is actually a good football conference, which is crazy because yeah. this is their swan song. But it's going to be a good league this year. This is not what Greg Sankey wants, but here's what I would prefer. Get rid of the Pac-12 as an automatic qualifier. It's now a, a Power 4, not a Power 5. Have those four conference champions automatically in and take the Pac-4 spot and give it to the second highest ranking group of five school that's in the, in the college football playoff ranking. I want to see another one of those teams in. Uh, and then you have the six at-large bids from wherever. But we know where the wherever is going to come from. It's going to come from the SEC and the Big Ten, first and foremost. But, so you're still going to get those teams in. Just take the Pac-12 spot and give it to another group of five. That's e I, I, Reading up on the autonomous five vote, which the five major conferences, the question is not with the Pac-12 vote when they're meeting now, Klyovkov having – he will be in these commissioner meetings. It's does the Big 12 and the ACC trust the version of whatever Sankey and Petiti will put out there to then vote alongside those two instead of the Pac-12 who's trying to keep things together and be a part of the five. That, because their vote's going to matter more than the, the Mountain West because of the Autonomous Five in the bylaw of the NCAA. So you have to petition just, it better than whatever they did the last go-around There's no way. There's no one they can realistically add right now that would make them I agree. a Power Five. They can go get Boise State – and San Diego State and some of the best of the American Athletic Conference in the Mountain West, that does not constitute a Power Five. Apologies to all those programs they could add. It's just not. The only thing you have is the seal of the Pac-12, which was a once proud and great organization and league that is no more. That's all you have. You can't slap an NFL shield on a Pop Warner team and say they're now in the NFL, and they're going to go compete with the New York Jets. doesn't happen that way. Just like you can't slap a Pac-12 logo on any school out there that's never been in the Pac-12 before and say, hey, now this is the Pac-12. These eight additions are now the Pac-12, and we are part of the autonomous five. It's, it's not going to work that way. So they're gone, and now you got to come up with another formula that takes the Pac-4 aside and then – play ball with the other Power Four conferences. More compromise uh, to be had. And next week's meeting, there will be things that come out of that that will be headline-worthy of the meeting they'll have in September with discussion. But do you know who feels like they don't need a compromise right now? It's Tony Petiti and Greg Sankey. They don't feel like they're in a position where they have to compromise on much of anything, and they're not wrong. But they, they, they have to based on the bylaw of the NCAA and the structure because of the voting power of the five, not the two, currently. Yeah. And so if, if others of the five agree to join forces with the SEC and the Big Ten on the vote, are they, they, they would be voting with the confidence of leadership there moving forward, and they didn't have that last time. That's why we have the six and six model. But make no mistake about it. The, the need and the push for the 12 teams just to be decided with no automatic qualifiers is self-serving. It's to get more of your conference's teams in. Because Greg yeah. Sankey knows exactly that's what would happen. Yeah, with no champions guaranteed a spot for no sure. No restrictions. Uh, 
Chad, will we see no restrictions for running back Josh Jacobs in week one for the Las Vegas Raiders? Uh, he's reportedly going to show up. He's going to uh, be at the opener against the Broncos. I guess the assumption is he's going to be in uniform and play, uh, but he's disgruntled. For how long? Who knows? Because the, even uh, with uh, the Raiders, there are, you know, the, the GM is saying to fans in attendance at practice last week, yeah, oh, yeah, not going to be a problem in terms of getting Jacobs the extra million or 13 or 12 to 13 million, whatever was put out there. Uh, he needs to get whatever Saquon Barkley received. And maybe a bit more than that, because if I'm Barkley, I would have said, hey, I'll, I'll sign whatever uh, you're putting out there for money up front on the franchise tag, which is all he really received from the Giants. But there was no guarantee in that restructured tag that they won't tag him again. Maybe the Raiders come forward and say, we're going to match what the Giants did. We're going to give you the money up front instead of weekly, and we'll guarantee we're not going to tag you a year from now. There was discussion that they weren't going to bring him back in the middle of last season, and then you wanted this tear to lead the NFL in rushing. Phenomenal player for them, and with the expectations of what's on Josh McDaniel's plate and Jimmy G now taking over as the starter, it's put up or shut up time for, for McDaniels. They need Jacobs in uniform and ready to go not this slow progression through the month of September. No, you put him out there and you play him. And you hope that he's the Josh Jacobs of the end of last year. I mean, you've got him. This whole thing with running backs has been how they get used up and discarded in the prime of their career. Well, if that's what the goal is, then use him up. As long as he's there, he's got to play in games. He's, no, he's of no value to you not carrying the ball and not impacting the offense in yeah. games. You've got to get him out there quickly. And, and I like what was said – uh, from Andrew Brandt with us a week ago when we asked him about the running back situation with Jonathan Taylor. He said, does it actually benefit Jonathan Taylor to show up and lead the league in rushing to have a 2,000-yard season? Well, I mean, it benefits him from a production. It benefits the team, but does it benefit his bank account? The answer is no, because they can just tag him again. If you take that off the table, if you're the Raiders, and you entice Jacobs to go out and do just that, that benefits the team. It benefits Jacobs. Maybe not on the open market for another team, but you're not dangling that over his current contract situation like Barkley will have to face again, albeit with a 20% raise a year from now, if the Giants want to tag him again instead of giving the extension that he's banging the drum over that he didn't bang for very long after the the Zoom call last month. Well, going off of what Andrew Brandt said, he's right. There is no guarantee yeah. that going out there and crushing it and having a record-breaking season or your personal high or, or replicating what you've done in the past is going to guarantee great things financially for you in the future. But one way to guarantee that you're not going to help yourself you're right. is by going out there and faking an injury or not showing up for games and showing up out of shape and not ready to go. That's one way to guarantee you're not going to be helped long-term. The thing for these players is the best thing you can do is go play while you're under contract, play very well in hopes that there's one of the 32 teams that says, I'll pay top dollar for that. What I just watched from Josh Jacobs or what I just watched from Jonathan Taylor or from Saquon Barkley, I'll re-up for a big short-term contract for those guys. May not happen. In fact, I would dare to say probably won't happen the way teams view running backs right now. But certainly what's not going to help you is faking an injury or going out there and showing up out of shape and getting hurt and then not playing, because guess what teams are going to say about you when you're not producing? Look what they say about you now with how they pay you. When you produce, 
Now imagine not producing. Not the way to go if you're those guys. Nope. And that's what I'm telling them if I'm their agent. You enter the free agent market when you're not going to get the franchise tag, but it doesn't benefit you from the perception of other teams. And if you do well, you're tagged, albeit at a, a, a bit of a raise, based on the way that the CBA is written. Chad, uh, just briefly on the running back spot, Jonathan Taylor, it's a weird situation. So he's still on PUP. Nothing's changed. Except that Jim Irsay is now saying that Chris Ballard, the general manager behind the scenes, is working hard to try and get the waters as calm as they can as they move forward with, with Jonathan Taylor. And Jonathan Taylor on PUP will be on his way to Philadelphia for joint practices with the Colts and Eagles, even though he can't practice. He hasn't been activated. Coming up, Let's get weird. Davey Hudson joins us. Plus, we have the latest on Michigan and Jim Harbaugh in 20 minutes. Hot by with Hunt and Withrow rolls on, Chad. Uh, interesting decision for the Colts not to play Anthony Richardson. Uh, Ross Tucker earlier was like, hey, you know, maybe it's the offensive line that didn't play. And you start to think about, well, we saw that play out for C.J. Stroud. It didn't go well. According to those that cover the team on a daily basis, that was not the case. They had joint practices with the Bears. And the Colts just said, ah, we, we got enough work done with Richardson during the joint practices that we're, he's, he's not playing uh, in the preseason game. But those that monitor and watch all these reps by him and there are plenty of those now with him being the fourth overall selection, said he didn't really do that much in practice, in the final practice prior to the day off and kickoff against the Bears anyway. Peculiar. And now they're going to Philly for joint work. And the question is, is he going to play in the final preseason game after not playing in preseason game number two? And also, this would have been his, his debut in front of the Colts fans. So if you are actually going to a horrible atmosphere for a preseason performance to begin with when it comes to starters. At least you have the fervor of let's go watch Anthony Richardson in a Colts uniform because we're diehards. And instead you watch Gardner Minshew take the first team snaps after the same week when he's named the starter of the Indianapolis Colts. I don't get it. I don't understand if it's a, well, he got enough reps in the joint practice. What's enough reps for a guy that barely started in college, define enough would be my response to that if I heard that in a press conference because I don't know how you could say that's he's had enough reps. He's got one par- partially one of preseason game under his belt. He's got some joint practices. You're trying to get ready for an NFL season with a guy who is wildly inconsistent in college who's got all of the physical ability in the world that could be a transcendent talent in the NFL, but he needs experience. He needs game-like experience. Oh, where could we get game-like experience? Oh, in a preseason game that you don't play him in? I, I don't understand after playing him in that first game, announcing him as the starter to not get reps in game number two. It is a baffling decision by the Indianapolis Colts. Ross made some good sense with the offensive line part of it. We brought that up about with C.J. Stroud, yeah. what it looked like when he went behind his backup with his backup tackles in in game number one, and he's going to be the starter in Houston. So I I can see that part of it, but I still think you start him and get him as many reps as possible because they're much needed for him, a guy who doesn't have a ton of experience coming in. Yeah, Uh, and, you know, there are plenty of starting quarterbacks who aren't playing, plenty of 
future Pro Football Hall of Famers who are. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, he's playing this coming week in the final preseason performance for the Jets. He'll be making the start. And again, this isn't some, you know, full half, three quarters, like it used to be yeah. in the tune-up when there were four games and we had two-a-days of practice and no joint practices. That's, that's gone and by the wayside. Uh, the old is, third preseason game where you get the full half with the starters, right? Yeah. Before the last yeah. one that you, you was no one Practice coming out of the locker room, you yeah. know, and starting a drive with a possession in the third quarter. Now, we, we don't see much of that we anymore. Past those days. Uh, but we're not past really good quarterbacks with really good coaches deciding, hey, uh, yeah, let's, let's go ahead and get some snaps in. Uh, so when you start to look around at the headlines of who's playing and who's not, Chad, um, the... For instance, Jordan Love is playing in the preseason finale. Makes a ton of sense in Green Bay. Um, other, the Colts, for instance, it, it, it appears that Richardson's going to play um, in the, the final preseason game against Philly. But again, who knows? But think about those who are playing, to play or not to play. Patrick Mahomes is taking snaps and playing, and you see a lot of reps with multiple wide receivers. Instead of counting how many reps and incompletions he has in camp, reporters are uh, counting the receivers and how many reps they get in the preseason game with Mahomes. Rodgers is playing, as we mentioned. Russell Wilson has been playing in Denver. Josh Allen played, what, two or three drives this past week for Buffalo. These guys are pretty good and pretty experienced. Last Tua Tungavailoa is playing in Miami. Uh, we mentioned Love. Matt Jones is playing for New England. Desmond Ritter, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, they may be getting knocked around, but they're playing. Those who are not, uh, and this isn't the entire preseason. Justin Fields played a week and a half ago, did not play this, this past weekend. Justin Herbert hasn't played. Mention Richardson. Ryan Tannehill hasn't played. Dak Prescott, Trevor Lawrence, Jared Goff, Derek Carr. Baker Mayfield didn't play this past week in Tampa. What the, the haves and the have-nots are pretty evident with that group, correct? Yeah. Super Bowl winners versus guys that need to prove themselves. And the teams that have those guys on the second tier are more worried about not having a second-tier player to replace the guy that is good, not great. Baker Mayfield not playing an odd one. Kyle Trask. Me. Kyle Trask actually played very well this past weekend. So I, would, I, I understand the injury risk concerns, but... Nine times out of ten, it's a non-contact situation anyway that ends up ruining a season for a team. I just not a hit in the preseason. Uh, yeah, and I know it's probably happened. And I'm just not thinking about it. But how many times is the starting quarterback knocked out because of a hit in a preseason game when they well, get out there and start? Like you said, it's the non-contact stuff, which could happen in a practice or, or happen anywhere. I just don't think that's enough. If you've got a, a starter that is coming back from injury or you know you're solid with that guy and he doesn't really need the work in a meaningless preseason game, I get it, not playing him. But for some of these other guys, and Anthony Richardson top of the list, I do not understand it. Yeah, There are some headlines we don't understand as it is time to let's get weird with Davey Hudson. And five, four, three, two, one, zero, talking now. Guys, good to be back. Good to be back. Good Davey? to have you back. Good to Thank have you, you with us. Davey Hudson is refreshed. I was going to say it must be nice for you to be back with us also. Very right? much so. You yeah. know, I, I enjoyed the week back home, but uh, it's, it's one of those things, you know, with football right around the corner, just getting into the swing of things. I'm excited. 
as we hit the ground running. So, And this was a prosperous week away for your love life. Is this, am I hearing this correctly? Hutton and I intentionally said we do not want to be spoiled with a story before the show. We want you to hit it with us on air. Yeah, I, I thought it was a good week. Had a couple of dates. I figured I'd bring one to the table. You know, this, this first date actually happened the Friday after my last show. So not this past Friday, but the Friday before. And it was interesting. And it's, it's one of those moments, you know, where when the date's over, you reflect back and you're like, ah, should I have done this? Should I have done that? And it, The answer is usually no to all those questions, typically, when you're asking them. Yeah. When you're thinking in your head, like, should I have done this? I find, I'm saying, you know, personal experience. Like, I would, it's usually no. Yeah, so you so you're saying you made the right asking, decision. Yeah, if I'm generally. asking, should I have done that after an interaction, the response in my head is typically, no, probably not. Are you not Should've the type of guy that, like, you know, uh, it'll be the time where you're taking a shower and then you just think of all the things you should have said in a conversation? You, oh, yeah. you, you oh, don't have sure. it? Okay. Oh, with that. I, I but, usually then text the person back that. Okay. Afterward. This is what I should have said. Well, well for this story, uh, it's interesting. So the girl, I had a nice time, uh, but the best part of the date actually, in my opinion, happened before the date even began. So um, <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting no offense, uh, but I, I, I'm sitting at my table. You know, the crowd's kind of getting in there. Uh, my date's running a little late, women. You know, um, but uh, wow. yeah. So as fashionably I'm, late, she's as, trying to make an appearance. Yeah. I see Brooke smirking over there. Okay, uh, as as I'm sitting there at the table, I'm probably either doing a mock draft or playing Tetris. I can't remember. But so <laughs> we're waiting, and uh, this gentleman comes over to me, and he introduces himself as TJ. So shout out TJ. TJ started talking about you know he's a big fan of of. I'll kick hot mic, how he enjoys hunting you and Chad and everything you do. And that, uh, you know, I, as I've been on the show, he, I guess, enough to recognize me to come up and say, hey, so TJ, thank you for doing that. And He's a was, season ticket holder. Yeah, I was saying such amazing things. And my date still had not shown up. But then I'm sitting there thinking to myself, damn, I should have just told TJ to come back 10 minutes later. Say, say those things, all those things once she gets here. But it would have been such a power play. Had TJ been 10 minutes was later. Was he just there? Did he and work And right there? as you said hello. No, he, he was just a, a patron here. at the restaurant as well. Now, so. it also would have looked like you set it up. Uh, if it was like right upon she arrives yeah. and then he walks up, hey, you're Davey Hudson, right? I yeah. love your show. That would have looked to me if I was her like a complete setup. But yeah, he, he could have really helped you out being 10 minutes later. You think it, you think it would have helped the date progress further? Like you think it's, uh, it would have lasted longer than it did? Before you had to go back to uh, to Knoxville, are we going to get ah. this whole date, or are we going to? No, gonna I mean that's I, that's one. honestly the highlight of the date, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, wow. Nice, just, you just nice, didn't mesh. Nice young lady, but we just didn't have that much in common at the end of the day. So okay. she, I mean, she was originally from the Knoxville area, so we were able to talk a little bit about that. But as far as uh, interest and things that go go beyond that, there there wasn't a whole lot there. But you know, we had a nice conversation, but we realized this wasn't something that's going to you know be when did moving you realize forward. You might be off. In the conversation, was there a moment where you asked a question or she said something? Oh, that's a good question. Or did you go down a path where you could see it that she wasn't interested? The, when did it happen? The the big thing for me was just a lot of the CrossFit talk. I don't oh, do CrossFit. Ah, uh, yes. Did she lead with CrossFit talk? Was this uh, the first was, thing she led no, because it, of CrossFit? It wasn't the lead. Oh, but, yeah, that's, that's another great question. Was she late because was she, she was jumping over no, boxes? Was she doing some power cleans? No, I think it's just Nashville traffic, which I, I will oh, give almost fair. anyone a yeah. pass on that. Sorry I've been moving help. around really slow. These quads are on fire <laughs> from all the CrossFit no. that I had this week. Sorry, All Dave. the pull-ups. Probably sore from that. Like I, I went tubing this past weekend, and my body still hasn't recovered from that. So that's, that's where we're at on the <laughs> physical level. So uh, Tubing does make you sore, though, even as a, even as a young man. 
if you tube hard, you're going to get sore from it. The hands. It's always the hands when you try to stretch them out, the fingers that are sore. Chad may have a segue there for you based on that last I was, sentence. I was searching for one. Oh, thank you, guys. Yes, yeah, so uh, just we're going to go right into the headlines. Uh, this one comes to us from Austria. So there is a, a spider that has an erection-inducing bite, and this led to a supermarket being shut down. The supermarket shut down because the spider was biting the, the or just on the well, loose. Well, there's no one was actually bit by the spider. At first, they thought this spider, which they found in some fruit, it was on some bananas. They thought it was just um, a, a normal type of spider. But at some point, the fire brigade got called in, and they realized it was the Brazilian wandering spider. Now, how the Brazilian wandering spider made its way from. Um, I guess Brazil all the way to this supermarket in Austria. On the bananas. Yes, uh, yeah. but that's, that's a long way. Uh, the, the Penny Mart in Crimson de Dernoon. So I'm sure, that's, these, I'm sure I nailed that. Uh, it's probably right Perfect. next door to where yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger grew yeah. up, I'm sure. Uh, Is there, <laughs> do they grind these spiders up and use them in performance-enhancing medication? No. It seems like a pretty potent thing you need to get a hold of if the venom produces yeah, these results. Like the, yeah, it's, well, it's totally legal, unlike deer antler spray. Yeah. So they... A Brazilian wandering spider spray. They Could do use helpful. the spider's venom to okay. treat erectile to dysfunction. Yeah, that's what I'm asking. So it, it is used for that. That's good. So they, they say the Brazilian wandering spider has one of the deadliest bites in the world, can also cause hypothermia, blurred vision, and convulsions, and in some cases, hours-long erections. So yeah, they, The hypothermia and, and uh, blurred vision is probably why they shut down the supermarket. Or the, the manager was just they, very much in need. you got to yeah. feel really unlucky if you try to get bit by one of these things and you're the one who gets hypothermia from it. <laughs> they ended up shutting down the supermarket the for three days. <laughs> oh, I'm, oh, of course, this one, the spider kills me, right. But, oh, real quick. So the one thing I wanted to say, uh, and I might have just even did it wrong, but I, I looked it up just because I often get those confused. But do you guys know the difference between venom and poison? I do not. So, I thought they were one and the same. Well, the hallmark of venom is, venom is that it can be introduced via a wound. So think of it being injected, such as a, someone biting you, like a, you know, a snake bite, uh, a sting, spines, or claws, whereas poison is different because there's no wound involved, and it can be absorbed through the bloodstream via skin, inhaled, or ingested. So saying poisonous snake or poisonous spider is incorrect. They're always a venomous snake or a venomous spider. Yes, because okay. it would have to make its way... Through the wound. That's good to know. Through yeah. the bite. That, that is, uh, no, that's a good fact of the day. We're all about education here. Uh, I'm all about education. Davey, will we get an update on your second date of the week away from us? Uh, we will. Tomorrow. And, uh, you know, I've also got another story. We'll tease it for tomorrow uh, that uh, in involves a catfishing. This one didn't involve me, but I'll just tease it for tomorrow. So. No, the catfishing would have been if TJ was your date and you didn't know it until mm, you got it. I guess set up that Can way. You, yeah. just, just for research purposes and for the show, go get catfish now. Please allow someone to catfish. I don't think it would be that hard. No. With not the, hard especially at all. through the dating apps these days. Nah, that's, that should be pretty simple. Oh, the apps. Coming up, Chris Ballas joins us. Thank you, Davey. Senior editor of the Wolverine, the very latest on Jim Harbaugh, the three game self imposed suspension by Michigan, and Harbaugh's reaction. That's next.